Well, we've got Liz here uh, tonight, and she's going to be sharing with us uh, children and issues uh, related to children. Uh, again, we will record these. They'll be online. And so if you see them go up on, on Facebook or Twitter, uh, please share them. Um, obviously, that helps us get the message out, helps Liz get her name out. Um, and, uh, uh, and then, of course, on Sunday, we'll be talking more directly about uh, what the scriptures have to say about this issue. So if you'll bow with me for a word of prayer, and we'll get going. God, I thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, your grace. Thank you for Liz coming out and sharing with us tonight. I pray that your spirit would be present uh, with us and with her as she leads us, uh, that, um, that the things that she has to say we'll take to heart, um, that we will truly love our children and see them grow up in the good and righteous way. So I thank you, I praise you in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Do you mind if I grab that stool? Just in case. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Hello. Right, right here. Um, So my name is Liz, and thank you so much. My echoing. Um, And I am a counselor at um, Cornerstone Christian Counseling. I've been there for just a short time. but I have worked with children for over 25 years. I do not have a counseling degree. I have a social work degree. So um, I'm a licensed master social worker. Um, and I've worked in child welfare and um, with children in a variety of different ways, which I'll tell you a little bit about um, for over 25 years now. So tonight we're going to talk about children, their behaviors, and mental health. And um, just kind of go in a variety of different ways there. When I was first asked to come and speak about children, um, I wasn't really given a direction of what that might look like. And then after I talked to Jordan, um, he shared some stories with me. And um, when I think about children and mental health and um, just some of the issues and the struggles they may have, um, with that comes parenting and discipline, of course. So I did add some of that in, so I don't want this to sound like a parenting class. Um, but when I, when I work with children, and I always work with their families. I always include the parents um, if they're available to help with that. So we'll talk about what I would expect um, as a counselor when I'm working with children for the parents to be doing and to be helping with. So um, there we go. Did I do it right? Do I point it? Where do... ah, there we go. Okay. Um, so this is a picture of my family. Um, I have 10 children. Um, raging, this is an older picture. Um, but I have um, nine adopted and one biological. We were foster parents for about 10 years. My youngest is now 11, and my oldest is 24. Um, so I have worked a lot, um, not, not just as a parent, but as a professional, with children who come from hard places, who have been through trauma, um, abuse, and neglect. So that's typically what I would talk about. Um, so I've changed up a little bit for tonight. Um, but now I, my children, six of them are grown and out of the home, and they have their own children. Um, so I do have four grandchildren. I don't have their pictures up, but they're very sweet. Um, and then the next slide is... Um, is some pictures of some orphan children. Move it up. Is that better? Okay. Um, so in working with, uh, as a counselor, I've also worked, um, like I said, in child welfare 
here in the U.S. for many years, and then I also work internationally. Um, so I, for the past four or five years, um, I have my own nonprofit called Force for Christ, and we travel to orphanages in Ukraine, um, in Malawi, and in Tanzania. Um, and we, we take missions over, and we also do education and teaching to the nannies and the directors, the orphanage directors in those orphanages, helping them to understand trauma and, you know, where these children are coming from and their behaviors. We also bring children here in the summer and in the winter for six weeks to stay with families, orphan children, to get the idea of what it's like to live in a family. Because it's very, very important for those behaviors to be modeled um, to those children so then they know how to have a family of their own someday. So that's some pictures of our kids from Ukraine and um, Malawi um, this past summer and winter. All right. So on to uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, we're going to talk about mental health in children. Uh, we're going to talk about parenting in relation to scriptures, because obviously the Bible lays a nice, good foundation for um, how, how to parent children and what they need and expect um, what children need, behaviors, and um, discipline. All right. Um, so mental health in children. Um, so I have some statistics here for you. I remember to get this. There we go. All right. Some statistics. Some statistics. Um, so 17.1 million young people have or have had a diagnosable psychiatric disorder. So that's one out of every five um, children in the U.S. that meets criteria for a major mental health disorder. Um, <clears throat> So 50% of disorders begin before the age of 14. So that means that you may find that some of your younger children, sometimes as young as eight, um, may have, and sometimes younger if we're talking about um, attention deficit disorder or hyperactivity disorder, um, sometimes younger than eight, you might see that diagnosed with child in children um, before the age of 18, or 14. And then 75% of disorders begin before the age of 24. And if you have questions during the presentation, feel free to raise your hand. I'm happy to take questions um, and questions and answers. So um, mental health disorders are the most common disease that we see in childhood. Um, of the 74.5 million children in the U.S., an estimated... Um, an estimated 17.1 million have or have had a psychiatric disorder. That's a lot of children. More than the number of children with cancer, diabetes, um, and AIDS combined. So definitely our children um, are struggling and um, you know, need some help. So most common mental health concerns we see in children, um, the most common is ADHD. Have you heard of ADHD? Um, very prevalent, right? Very prevalent in our society. Not as prevalent in other societies, um, but definitely here in the U.S. Um, and I think, you know, I have a lot of theories on that. I think one of the reasons is because, you know, we expect maybe too much out of children. You know, we expect them to learn a certain way and to sit and listen and behave. I don't know, many of the five and six and seven-year-olds that I know, they don't really do that. Um, they're active and they're curious and they're moving around. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it has a lot to do with um, their environment and um, those who are encouraging them and teaching them and helping them in the environment. 
So um, we have highly, um, a high amount of children that are diagnosed with ADHD. Um, with that, we find that um, children are put on medications. Um, and what we find with that medication um, is that when you start a child on medication, only 30% um, of the desired solution is um, brought about by that medication. So in other words, medication doesn't do the whole trick. Um, when you decide to have a child medicated, um, you have to include um, some type of counseling or therapy with that. Um, there has to be somebody that is talking with the child and working with the child um, when they're on medications. And they also should, of course, be seeing a doctor. Um, so medication may be necessary, but must be used in combination with the counseling. And on top of that, you know, we as counselors can do a lot for children, but the parenting also has to be intact. And so as counselors, we work not just with the children, but we work with the parents um, to help them learn better parenting skills and, and how to handle their child. Um, so the next one, um, and the other thing with medication, just one more thing. Um, so medication will usually treat um, the surface issues, um, but it doesn't always get to the underlying problem. And so we have to think about that when we're working um, with children as getting down to the root of the problem, like what, what's going on. So there may be some ADHD, but there might be something else there as well. And so we need to be talking with and um, finding out, you know, what are, what are the issues going on. Um, and then we see mood disorders. Um, that could be things like a major depression, bipolar, um, different types of mood disorders in children. And that's typically not diagnosed until in the teen years that we see that, um, and sometimes even later. Usually, we like to hold off until adulthood, until you diagnose a child um, with a mood disorder. But we do see it. Um, I worked in the emergency department as a medical social worker for a really long time and um, found that children would come in um, diagnosed, you know, in, sometimes as young as 13, 14, diagnosed with a mood disorder, um, with major depression. And what I found with that is that usually um, there's an environmental issue going on with that, which means um, maybe can be the root of that, which means that there's something going on in the home or, you know, in their life in general, and maybe at school, that's causing some of those things. Um, and again, with mood disorders, you can look at medication to help with that as well. Um, but of course, we would need to add on counseling therapy um, along with that. Depression is something uh, that we see in children as well. Um, usually, I think when we see when we look at depression, it's it can be usually with children more um, situational, um, something that's going on um, in the home life or at school or with their peers. Um, is when we see some of that depression. So, you know, kind of, again, getting down to the root of where is it coming from, how long has it been there. I mean, these are things that, you, you know, if you see some of these symptoms of depression in a child, um, you know, you can talk with your child as well about those things. You know, how long has this been going on? How long have you noticed the, these, the depression there? Um, and, you know, are there changes at school? Are there changes at home? You know, looking at those things. Um, a conduct disorder, usually you're going to see that more in an older child, um, and that's, you know, just the behaviors coming out um, 
and acting out, maybe some stealing, maybe um, some involvement with the law, things like that. And then, of course, anxiety, which I know you guys have learned about already in this series. Um, and again, with anxiety with children, it would be similar with depression, is that you're going to see that maybe situational when things are going on um, that are out of the ordinary or they're not used to handling in their life. Any questions on any of that? So um, we won't spend a lot of time in the scriptures because I know Jordan will be talking with you guys about that on Sunday. Um, but some of the scriptures that are fundamental to um, children and parenting, um, I listed about six or seven of them here. Um, and I like to share, um, if parents are open to it, I like to share this with the parents of the children that I'm working with. Um, the scriptures are a foundation. Um, they help the parents. It's kind of um, like almost like a roadmap in your life to look at of how do I raise my child? What do they need? And scriptures are full of that. Um, so Proverbs 22, 6 says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So what does that mean? Um, starting young. You know, we start to correct our children and discipline them when they're crawling, when they're starting to walk, right? Um, and it's just simple, loving things. Um, but we start young in teaching them um, the right from wrong. Uh, Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Um, it's interesting that we don't have to teach children how to misbehave, right? It's just there. Um, <laughs> so, but we do have to teach them how to do the right, to make the right choices and what are the right things to do. Um, I have parents all the time that will say, um, that will say, you know, the Bible says that I should really spank my child and, you know, use the rod. And I don't really take the scripture that way. Um, I think, you know, we definitely need to um, enforce discipline. But remember, you know, discipline is teaching. It's not necessarily punishment. So we're not looking to punish our children. And I think sometimes parents can look at that in a, in a different way. We don't want to punish them, but we want to teach them right behaviors. And so um, anytime that you are disciplining your children, if you're using physical discipline, if you're leaving a mark or a bruise on a child, then that is obviously you've gone too far. Um, so never discipline in anger, you know, always calm yourself down, um, and always, you know, use discipline as a teaching technique, a way that you can teach them um, from those bad behaviors. Um, the next one is Deuteronomy 6-7. Um, impress the, in the scriptures I added on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. It's really important um, just in, in implanting God's word into their heart, into their mind. Um, that's, again, teaching them um, his word and giving them that wisdom of how to live their lives and how to go on. Um, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Basically, it's saying don't provoke your children to anger. Um, you know, don't, you, with yourself being so upset maybe by their behaviors or things that they've done, um, you know, don't bring that out on your child. Because then, of course, your child's going to get angry. You're role modeling those behaviors for them, and it's just going to get out of hand. Um, so bring them up in training and instruction, again, teaching your children the good example and how to have correct behaviors. <clears throat> 
All right, the next one is Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Um, again, discipline is teaching, and that's the key. Um, you know, recognizing a bad behavior, something that the child, a wrong decision that your child is doing, even at the age of one, two, three, up to the age of 18, 19, 20 even, um, recognizing that and teaching them um, the better behavior, you know, stopping the bad behavior, interrupting that, teaching them a better behavior, um, and then asking them to um, role model that for you as well. After you've shown them, asking them to do that as well. Um, kind of like when the parent says, say you're sorry. <laughs> you know, we're teaching them, you know, um, to have those feelings and to, to show us a better behavior. Um, and then um, Proverbs, did I do 29.15? The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So children need, in that I'd like to say that children need um, our presence and attention. Um, you know, too often I've worked with children who say they come home from school and no one's there. You know, so they're by themselves, they're getting into trouble, the parents don't understand why they have these behaviors. You know, and I'm asking the parents, well, when's the last time you had a conversation with your child about these things? Um, when, um, you know, what, do you, what is their routine like? What are they doing when they get home? And they don't know. Um, so it's important that we know what's going on with our children. Of course, we can't be there 24 hours a day all the time with them. But knowing their routines, know, you know, being present in their life, making sure that we're role modeling, role modeling behaviors, that we're not leaving that up to the schools and the babysitters and to their peers, but that we're doing that for them. Um, and then the last scripture, Psalms 127, 3 and 4, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Basically, that says children are a blessing, right? Do you believe your children are a blessing? Yes, absolutely. It can be tough sometimes, but they really are a blessing. Um, so what do children need? And these are some things that I go over with parents that I work with, um, that I work with their children. Um, there is a psychologist, a child psychologist that I love. Her name is Dr. Karen Purvis. Has anyone ever heard of her? Um, she is um, a fabulous psychologist. She actually passed away last year. Um, but she um, has worked with children who come from hard places mostly, has worked um, with kids here in the U.S., and then also has worked with kids in orphanages for a very long time. And she's um, wonderful, just loves the Lord um, and is wonderful at what she does. And so she says that every child has three birthrights. Um, and that is to feel safe. Every child needs to feel safe um, and have a safe environment to be in. Um, every child needs to have a safe adult which will listen to them. Um, too often, you know, we see um, we're busy. We're, parents are busy. Adults are busy. Probably now more than we've ever been. Our lives are very, very busy. And we push children to the side and we don't listen to what they have to say. And the unique thing is when I'm in counseling with a child, you know, there's no social media out. We've just got toys everywhere, and we just play, and we talk, and we communicate. And it's so interesting that I will tell parents, you know, your child told me this, or we talked about this, and I'm like, how did you get that out of them? I sat with them. I was on their level. We played. We talked. There was no interferences whatsoever. You would be surprised at how much children will talk when you give them that attention, when you listen to them. Um, and then also someone who thinks that child is precious. 
Um, and that may seem silly, but children, need, your children need to think and know that they are the apple of your eye, that they are just fantastic. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things wrong. It doesn't matter. You love them anyway. Um, and you do everything you can. You know, most of us as parents would give our lives for our children. Um, so they need to know that. They need to feel like they are precious to us. Um, this is another little quote from Dr. Karen Purvis. I think she's pretty fantastic. Um, so providing an atmosphere of safety where the child feels safe um, disarms the primitive brain and reduces fear. Basically, if, we, if the child is in this mode of where they're, they're fearful, um, they don't feel safe, their brain is not working and, at its full function. And so they're kind of in this mode where they, they don't know what to do and it's just fight or flight. Um, and because their brain hasn't developed like an adult's brain, right? And so they're not able to um, reason and think things through like we are. Um, so they need to feel safe so they can always operate at their fullest capacity. So it's a critical first step toward helping children grow is that they feel safe and they can feel safe in the, in the environment that they're in. Um, when your children... Um, when your children decide to talk to you and share their problems with you, first you should stop everything and listen to them. There is nothing more important than that. Um, and I, I think about that sometimes. You know, I adopted children when they were between the ages of 6 and 10, 6 girls, and, um, you know, life is busy. And sometimes they would come and talk, and I, I can regret those times that I've said, you know, not right now, go away, and I just wish I would have listened. Um, so don't, don't regret those things. Your housework can wait, you know, that phone call can wait, whatever you're doing can wait. Children need to be listened to. So often we think, you know, you, you've heard that phrase, um, children should be seen, not heard, right? Have you heard that phrase? Um, not so much. Children need to be heard, right? They need to know that what they are saying is important and that we care about them. It's just a way to build their self-esteem. Um, it's a way for them to see that we love them. And, um, you know, too often, like I said, when I'm working with, with clients in counseling, um, you know, parents are astonished at what the children will tell me. You know, and I, and I tell them, well, do you do this? Do you sit down with them? Do you make time to communicate and talk with them? It's amazing. It's amazing what they'll tell you. Um, one of the best ways to boost a child's self-worth is to listen like they matter, because they do. If they come home from school or from daycare or wherever, you know, if you've been apart from them for the day, and I know you've probably got a lot going on in your head, um, just trying to decompress yourself from work or whatever you've been doing, um, but the child does as well. Imagine if we have all of that going on, the child has so many things to tell us, you know, so many things to process with us. And so to sit them down and just to listen, just to listen to what they have to say. I have an 11-year-old, and she talks nonstop, and I mean nonstop. And if she's with away from me, and I, I homeschool my children, so they're with me a lot. And um, if she's away from me, even for five minutes, I feel like she has a boatload to tell me. Um, and sometimes I do have to say to her, you know, um, give me 10 minutes, and then we're going to sit down and, and talk, and she can, she can fill up an hour and just tell me all kinds of things. But it's just interesting, her personality. I mean, she's very bubbly. You know, I, I, she, she appreciates that. I can tell that she, um, you know, she, she has a high self-esteem. Um, she knows that she's loved. It's very different than some of the children I see in counseling who don't have that. 
you know, and take a little bit of time to really warm up. And then when they see, oh, someone's listening to me, they really will, um, you know, talk quite a bit. Um, so the next slide. Um, so have you ever heard that phrase, you know, if you give your children too much love, you're going to spoil them. You know, don't hold them as babies a lot. You know, make them lay down. You know, you don't have to attend to them all the time. I totally disagree with that. Completely disagree with that. I, I personally do not believe that you can spoil a child by holding them too much. So if anyone's told you that, tell them they're wrong. Children need to feel loved. They need that touch. They need that attention. So too much love never spoils children. Um, children become spoiled when we substitute presence for our presence in their lives. You know, it's not important that you give your children a lot of things. It's important that you give yourself to your children and that you give your family, you know, and your time to your children. So just some things to um, think about there. Um, so um, what children need um, is our next slide. Um, what children need to achieve good mental health. Every child needs this in order to have good mental health. Um, number one is unconditional love from the family. That sounds like, um, that may sound like, well, obviously, you know, obviously I love my, my child unconditionally. But are there times, um, and I, you know, I hear these stories from clients that I work with, of, you know, well, my, you know, I did bad at this, um, at my last sporting event, and my dad wasn't very happy. You know, so some of those things that our, ch our children pick up on, um, that we expect them to excel in things, and, you know, they're children, they're going to make mistakes, they're, they're, they may not excel like we want them to. It's important that we say to them, you know, and I, I love you. I don't care if you win this game or if you don't win this game. I don't care if you get an A or if you fail the class. Well, I do care if you fail the class, but I still love you. It's not going to change what I think about you. It's not going to change how much I love you. And so phrasing things differently to children like, um, I love you, um, and we have to work through your grades. We have to figure out why you're not passing this class. And so working in a cooperative way with your child um, will get you a lot further. So showing that unconditional love is very, very important. Every child needs that. Um, number two, self-confidence and high self-esteem. Um, every child needs praise. They need us to, to build that inner voice. Oftentimes, the clients that I'm working with um, do not have a good inner voice. An inner voice that tells them that they are, they are good, they are great, they're, there's good qualities about them, that they are loved. And so it's really important that we help build that. And we do that by um, praising them, by speaking good words into them, um, and even encouraging them. Um, every child needs the opportunity to play and engage with other children. This is really important. You know, we can um, load children down with so much responsibility because they're kids, right? They need time to explore and to play. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. Um, four is encouraging teachers um, and supportive caretakers. Um, every child needs encouragement and support, um, just as we do as adults. Um, every child needs a safe and secure surrounding. We've talked about that. And then appropriate guidance and discipline. So children need hugs. Again, this comes with the unconditional love. Children need hugs more than they need things. When you are hugging a child, always be the last one to let go. You never know how long they need it. And 
you know, and I know that love doesn't take away every problem and everything with a child, but when they feel loved and when they feel safe, they're able to work through things. They're able to work through problems and crisis and trauma and anything that might come their way if they have that unconditional love and they can feel that. Um, Um, if your child asks for a cuddle during your household chores, don't say later. Don't put them off. Your chores can wait. A cuddle only takes a few short minutes, but a child's memory will keep forever. So just know that your child is watching what you do, watching how um, you're responding to them, and that shows them how much they mean to you. That shows them uh, what's important in your life. Is it important? Is your housework important? Is your job important? Is it more important than your child? And they're going to be able to tell that by how you respond to them um, and kind of where you place them in context to all of that. This is probably one of my, oops, one of my favorites here. Um, the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. We said that just a few minutes ago. So encouraging them, not calling them names. And I know most parents do not intend to call their children names. But sometimes when we are in a hurry, when we are stressed or overwhelmed ourselves, um, we may take some of that out on our children, telling them to go away, maybe calling them a name, maybe telling them to shut up. Um, you know, have you ever looked at your child and said, you're such a mess? I wonder what that's saying to them inside, you know, thinking about that. And again, coming from a counselor who we talk about emotions and we talk about feelings and we talk about how these things make them feel. Um, how would you feel if someone looked at you and said, you're such a mess, right? Um, but we say those things to our children. Stop bothering me. Go away. I can't talk to you right now. I wonder how we would feel if someone said that to us as adults. That's how the children feel as well. They don't like it. It makes them feel less important. So things you can say to them is, you can do it. You are the best. You are a star. That's my champ. Awesome job. Good job. You know, if you can't meet their immediate need right, right then, saying, I love you. I can't do it right now, but in 10 minutes, making a time of when you can, you can talk with them and, and be with them will help. So parent well. Um, parents should always look for opportunities to offer genuine, well-deserved praise to their children. And I don't know if any of you make a habit of doing that, um, but I ask the parents that I work with, um, with their children in counseling, I ask them to find times every day, at least one time every day, to um, watch their child. What are they doing that stands out to you? What is something, you know, did they make their bed good? Did they remember to brush their teeth without you saying that to them? Did they get, um, you know, a star on the paper from school? What is it? Did, were they nice to their sibling? Um, did they say please? Whatever it may be. Um, find an opportunity um, to offer well-deserved praise to that child. So offer, you know, good job. Hey, I saw that you did that. I noticed that. I'm so proud of you. What a nice, you know, what a nice thing to do. You're building self-esteem. You're encouraging your child at that time, and you're building that inner voice, which is so important, which is so important. And again, when you build that, then when crises come into their life, when things, when bad things happen, they are, they are secure and able to work through that um, in a better way. All right. So good parenting um, does not mean giving your child a perfect life. It means teaching them how to lead a good and happy life in our imperfect world. Because 
things are going to happen. You know, they're going to they're going to run into to crisis and situations, right? But we teach them um, through our parenting and how to deal with that. Um, by encouraging them and by helping them and by making them helping them to have a, a good self self esteem. All right. So behaviors. So typically, if um, a child is coming to see me um, in a counseling setting, it's because not always, but oftentimes because they're acting out, right? Um, the child's acting out or, um, you know, the, they're very depressed and the parents just don't know what to do and how to stop that. So a lot of times I hear the term acting out. My child is acting out. Um, so that occurs when a child fights, throws a fit, steals, or shows unrestrained or improper actions. And there's other behaviors that can go along with that. This behavior is usually caused by suppressed or denied feelings or emotions. Um, so basically, the child is not getting their needs met in some way. That's why they're acting out. Um, when they act out, it reduces their stress. Have you ever, when you as an adult um, are stressed, have something going on, do you just kind of want to throw a fit sometimes? Does it make you feel a little bit better if you have a good cry? Um, if you can just kind of talk to your friend and just get it all off your chest, right? Maybe, maybe it's time in prayer that you can just get it off your chest there. Um, but we, we feel better when we do that. So acting out with children, it helps reduce their stress. They kind of get it off them. We don't see it that way as adults, right? We're like, what's going on with this child? So it's often a child's attempt to show hidden emotions. So what causes, what causes these behaviors? Why do children act out? Do you guys have any ideas? Why do you think children act out? No? Stress? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's a role model behavior that they see from others. Something at school? Bullying? Absolutely. Absolutely. They don't get their way. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Say it one more time. Yeah, so again, those behaviors that are role modeled to them, what they see, absolutely, then they tend to do. So um, usually um, common issues that cause, and these are not all of the issues, but common issues that cause a child to act out include um, child is attempting to fill a legitimate need. You know, this is more for like younger children. Um, that, you know, you maybe you're sitting in a service and in a church service and your child is getting fussy. Well, maybe they're hungry, you know? And so then you got to pick them up and you got to go out and like, what's wrong? Why are they doing this? You get a little frustrated. What can we do to fix that? You know, children that are ages, you know, one, two, three, um, four, sometimes they can't tell us what they need, right? And so they're acting out because... They have a need, but they're not really sure how to tell us that. Or maybe they just don't even recognize that need, but they know there's something wrong. Um, so sometimes they act out because they're hungry, they're bored, you know, there's no structured activity for them. Um, sometimes it's attention issues, right? If a child doesn't get the positive attention they desire, 
Um, if we don't acknowledge something for them or they don't get a positive attention, sometimes they're going to act out to get, a to get negative attention. This is something that we see often in children who are in the foster care system, who um, have lived um, in an orphanage setting. A lot of this, they're acting out because they want some type of attention. So children are going to get it. If you're not going to give it to them in a positive way, they're going to find a negative way to do that. Um, the child is suffering from stress, like you said. Um, they're feeling scared. Stress can look, you know, can cause physical symptoms to the child, tummy aches, um, feeling scared, you know, hurt, things like that. Um, desire for power. Children act out because it allows them to feel in control of their actions. They want to be in control of their environment and what's going on around them. We all have that feeling. Children have that as well. Self-esteem issues. Um, children who believe they are unable to perform a task um, may want to hide that, and so they'll act out to distract a parent. We also see this in school settings um, where children um, act out because, you know, I, I have one client that I'm working with currently who he acts out in school all the time. And as we're talking, I'm finding out that I think this child has some learning disabilities. And so now he's getting some testing and stuff. And, um, but it's certain subjects that he comes to. He doesn't understand them. And so he doesn't want to be looked at as, you know, not knowing something and then being made fun of um, or feeling like he's inadequate. And so he acts out. And then he gets out of doing the work, right? And, and he's got his desired result. Um, and then sometimes we see um, the personality disorders. Um, we see that it's more common in adults and in teenagers. What we're going to see more commonly in children is the ADHD. Um, and that would cause the child to act out as well. All right. So also what's important with that to know is about the child's emotional development. Um, <clears throat> Um, so the child's emotional development um, is a child's ability to recognize and control emotions. A lot of times, um, as a child gets older, they can, they can recognize their emotions, but they can't always control their emotions. Um, so emotions include happiness, sadness, love, fear, anger, jealousy, excitement, all of those things. Um, emotional development is affected by the child's inborn temperament, environment, and health. Illness and stress um, can cause a child to regress emotionally. So we may see um, a child who's doing well and then they regress emotionally. Um, and if you see that, you know, for more longer than a day or so, um, we need to figure out what's going on with the child. You know, it may be because of long-term illness um, or a long-term stress that's going on. So children will develop quicker emotionally if they, again, are, pra are praised and encouraged when they do something positive um, and have a strong bond of attachment. You know, the attachment occurs between the ages of newborn and three. Um, again, that's the holding, that touching, responding to their needs, um, and are given love, affection, and live in a positive atmosphere. This is what we want to see in children, right? Um, and this will help them to develop emotionally. Sometimes we see children who are not at their emotional developmental age. And that's, um, those are children that, some of the children that I work with, um, and that is because there is ongoing stress. Maybe their environment is not positive. Um, you know, maybe they don't, they are not attached to a caregiver, um, or they are not, you know, they, their inner voice is not good. And so we see those emotional issues that come about from that. Any questions so far? Okay. Um, 
not moving. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay, so um, warning signs. <clears throat> what, um, so the, the things that we went over so far um, are things that typically you can, um, behaviors and problems that you might see at home that you can talk with your children about um, and work through with them. And usually, you know, if you're, if you're doing a pretty decent job parenting and, and, you know, kind of knowing your child, you can work through those, some of those things. You know, you can say, okay, this is not normal for my child, um, the way they're acting, um, you know, the way they're feeling. And so you start to explore that, you know, what's happening at school, what's happening at home, what are their relationships like? And sometimes you can get down to the bottom of that and you can help your child and work through it that way. Sometimes um, there's things going on that you need to seek more help from, you know, uh, maybe have a professional help you. So these are warning signs. The following may indicate um, that your child needs professional assistance from a doctor or mental health professional. A decline in school performance, this would be over a long period of time. Um, of course, children will decline in school sometimes if it's a harder subject or maybe if they don't like the teacher or there's something else going on, um, something like that going on. But if it's, you know, you're seeing that overall with your child, there may be something more going on. Maybe there's a learning disability there. Um, maybe there's some stress that you're not aware of there. And so, you know, seek, seek help for that. Poor grades despite strong efforts. So your child's working hard, but they're still getting those poor grades. Um, you know, then, then talk with someone about that. Um, regular worry or anxiety. Children are going to worry and they're going to have anxiety. It, it's just part of life. It's going to happen some. But if it's not going away, if it's persistent, um, you definitely should seek out help. Repeated refusal to go to school or take part in normal children's activity. So this is a big one. If, you know, I, I've had parents that will bring their children in and say, you know, they were, they were doing fine at this. Now all of a sudden they have no desire. They're trying to get out of it. What's going on? Um, if this is happening over, you know, more than a few times, um, you definitely should look into the problem. What is it? Maybe you need to seek more help. Maybe there's something there that's happening that is not okay. Um, if they're regularly hyperactive or fidgeting um, more than normal, there may be um, a, there may be some ADHD there to, that they need to have diagnosed. Um, persistent nightmares. Sometimes you're going to have nightmares if you've watched a movie that doesn't settle right with you. You've seen a traumatic event, right? Something in crisis. Um, but if it's going on long term, definitely should seek out some help. Um, persistence, disobedience, or aggression. Uh, frequent temper tantrums. Now, I know usually at the age of two or three, you can have frequent temper tantrums. Um, but if it's not at their um, normal age, if they're having those when they're six and seven and it's going on for a long, you know, it's on a regular basis, definitely should look into if there's something, something else going on. Um, and then depression, sadness, and irritability. irritability. Again, depression and sadness can be situational. There can be things, and it's appropriate for the child to be to have some depression, um, sadness, irritability. If you know a loved one passes away, their friend moves away, um, their pet dies, things like that. That's appropriate, and you can help them through the grieving process and that. Um, but if it's if it's ongoing, then you definitely should seek out some help um, from a professional. All right. So let's move on. And talk about okay. Now I'm having. Here we go. Um, let's talk about discipline. And so again, I bring this up. This is not a parenting class, I know. Um, but when I'm working with children, um, 
what I'm doing with them in a counseling session, I need to teach the parents to do, right? Because I'm seeing them for an hour once a week or an hour every other week. And so I need um, parents to work with me. And I need to work with the parents. So I include parents in on the counseling. I see the child, um, but then I also talk with the parents and sometimes have them come in and sit on the sessions um, because we need to work cooperatively to help the, to help the child. Um, and sometimes I'm doing teaching with parents of how to discipline and what the children need and all these things I'm doing with you tonight. Um, so discipline. Um, children need, um, they need boundaries. Um, they don't need a free-for-all. You know, they need boundaries. It's okay to say no to your children. It's okay to set firm boundaries and not cross them. They need that. Um, when I visit orphanages, um, I just got back from one. I was just there less than a month ago. Um, spent a week in an orphanage, and there were no boundaries. And these children were just off the wall. I mean, it was, it was awful. Um, they were, you know, and when we, we put into place a schedule while we were there and we set some boundaries and, and we set a structure and a routine and then they flowed. They did so much better with that, right? Children need, they, they thrive, they do better if there's boundaries and there's routine and structure, including teens. You know, I have a 19-year-old that still lives at home and she still will, you know, if she's got a lot of free time in her hands, she just doesn't know what to do with it. You know, and so I have to help her with that structure. I have to help her with those boundaries. Um, maintain clear expectations of your children. Be consistent um, and firm. You know, don't go back and forth. Tell your child, no, you can't do this in the next day. Oh, now it's okay. They're not going to know what to expect out of you. They're going to be confused. So setting clear expectations. Um, you know, and when we talk a lot with our children, they don't right? They're going to hear about the first, I don't know, three to five minutes of what we're saying. Um, and then it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I lost you, right? They're looking everywhere else. They're not really hearing us. So say the most important things that you want heard right away. <laughs> Use few words, communicate very clearly to them. Um, and, you know, as they get older, you know, teenagers and so forth, they have to listen longer. Um, I, I, I teach at a couple universities and, you know, I, I never do a lecture longer than 20 minutes because I'm losing the students. You know, they're not listening. Um, so they, they need time to recharge. They need time to kind of take a break. So um, same with children. Offer simple choices. Children do better when they feel they have some control over what's going on in their environment in their life. Um, present consequences to them. Children need to know what to expect and always remain calm. It's okay. You know, sometimes... As parents, I get it. We're gonna, we're gonna have, we're gonna get angry. Um, if you feel like you cannot be calm when dealing with your child and when working with a child, walk away. Walk away. Give yourself a timeout. Go give yourself time to cool down before you address the issue with them. It's really, really important. Um, again, we're role modeling behaviors for them. Um, this is another. Um, slide from Dr. Karen Purvis, who I thoroughly enjoy. Um, she says, parents are kind, fair, and consistent. They stay calm and in control. They administer structure and limits, but they also provide a great deal of nurturing, praise, and affection. This is the type of parent that we want to be. And if we're like this, we are raising children who have a good self-esteem, who have that unconditional love, and who are going to do very well. Um, so remember, um, connection before correction. So create a closeness and trust instead of a distance and hostility um, by making sure the message of love gets through. You know, children will say to me when I'm working with them, um, 
you know, my mom's going to be so mad at me. She's, you know, well, what does that look like? I'll talk to the kids about that, and they'll say, oh, she's screaming and yelling, and, you know, and the child has no idea what they've done wrong. You know, they don't, they don't really understand all of that anger, but they know mom's mad, and they know this is what this looks like. That's not what we want to teach them. We don't want them to teach them that. Um, so create closeness and trust, um, and the message of love comes through. Um, you, it's okay, like I said, to say no. I love you, but the answer is still no. Um, you are more important to me than your grades, but what do your grades mean to you? You know, getting down to there's going to be problems, but how do you um, how do you correlate to them that I love you and we're going to work through this? Um, I love you and have faith that we can find a respectful solution. Um, so one thing I want to talk about real quick that I work with children um, is how to relax. You know, a lot of times kids kind of get nervous and anxious and parents are like, I don't know what to do with my child when they get like that. And, you know, and so then the parents get nervous and then they are kind of getting a screaming match. Um, so if your child is having a hard time relaxing um, or if there's been an event and they're having a hard time calming down, things you can do is get down to his or her level physically by kneeling or sitting, speak softly and gently in a warm voice. Offer a stress ball or a fidgeting toy when I'm working with children and in counseling. I always give them something to have in their hands. You know, they always got something that they can squeeze, that they can touch, that they can feel um, their senses, you know, getting that, um, all of their senses being used. Um, I try to use a very calm voice with them. Um, always try to get on their level, looking eye to eye. Um, I offer bubble gum. Some parents don't like that or some type of candy, but it is calming, chewing is calming. Um, sucking at a toy, sucking at a candy is calming. Um, if your child is having a hard time with space, some children do that and they don't want you close. If they're, you know, upset, um, offer to sit or stand further away, and encourage the child to take deep, slow breaths. And sometimes in in counseling, you know, I will I will go through relaxation techniques with children to teach them how to calm themselves down. Um, and, you know, taking those deep, slow breaths. And it's amazing how they can, they can really do that, and they feel better, and then we can move on and talk about other things. And so the last thing um, I want to talk to you about is just remember discipline is to teach, not to punish. Punishing, rejecting, and bribing do not build long-term success in your children. Instead, we should calmly and firmly interrupt bad behavior. We stop it. We identify the need that drives the bad behavior and teach the child how to achieve his or her goals appropriately. This is what we do in counseling as well. We talk about, we interrupt the bad behavior, we identify the need um, that drives that behavior, right? And we teach them better ways to handle that. When the child does this appropriately, we praise the child. Let them know that this is good. All children are going to act out um, and have behaviors. It's just life. They do. Mind you, as well, all the time. Um, it's normal for children to misbehave. It gives parents the opportunity. We should look at this as, an, you know, I have an opportunity right now to teach my child and to guide them. So use these opportunities to your children's advantage, to your family's advantage, and teach them. Don't worry about what other people think about you. You know, we, our children are all different. Our families are all different. It's okay if your neighbor does it differently. It's okay if, you know, your children are different. Um, you should know your child well. You know what's the right way. Um, and, and don't worry, you know, that's the one thing that, you know, I hear parents say a lot is, well, you know, what if I'm doing it wrong because they do it this way? And I say, stop. <laughs> don't look at what they're doing. What works for your child? Um, your children are precious gifts from God. Um, they are more important than the thoughts and opinions of others. 
and they are the ones that are going to lead our future, right? Um, and they're going to carry on what you've taught them. So hopefully, we're teaching them good things. Any questions? No. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me come.